continue our series in Philippians. And, you know, last week uh, we talked about Paul and his posture and how we, how we see that people are after him. You know, they're competing with him. And they're using the name of Jesus with bad intentions, but they're, they're actually preaching pretty good stuff, but in order to get the spotlight away from Paul. And Paul postures himself in such a way that it's all about Jesus. So he's, he rejoices. He's excited if someone preaches the name of Jesus, whether it's good intention or not, because people are hearing the gospel. Because it's God's message, not our message. It's God's word, not our word. It's his. So Paul is pretty pumped. He's pretty excited about it. He can rejoice. And that just shows a lot of the, the transformational power of Jesus. Because if you look at life's Paul before Jesus, not so good. If you look at it afterwards, you see a guy, and we're going to look at this phrase. I used to hate this phrase. Uh, because it seemed like the, the big Christian thing. You see a guy who sold out for Jesus. Who's heard that phrase, sold out? Anyone other than me drives you nuts when you hear it, right? It's like this, it used to be, now I, I'm being critical here, you know, and cynical, uh, but the Lord is, is, is really throwing it in my face. So it will all come back around to a good thing, okay? So just follow me here. But I would roll my eyes. It would be at these big youth gatherings. Or, Are you sold out for Jesus? I'm like, Wait, what does that mean? <laughs> like, like I'm raising my hands? Woohoo, I'm sold out. Or I give someone a really overzealous hug and, oh, yeah, Jesus loves you, brother. Or, you know, Yay, I'm sold out for Jesus. What does it even mean? So I want to show you something. You, you tell me what you see. Okay, what do you see here? What is it? People. Can you count how many people? <laughs> no. That's a lot of people, right? Okay. Now, take that in. That Introverts, how many of you want to be right in the middle of that? Okay. Now, this, this was taken at like a Michael Jackson concert in the 80s, you know, when everyone's crying when he's up there singing and stuff. I mean, that kind of insanity going on. But when we think of the phrase sold out, Okay, think of it, think of it this way. There is, there is standing room only. You, it is, there is no room for anything. Now, how many of you have been in that kind of atmosphere? You've been in a concert where you're like that. Okay, now, if, I have to go to the bathroom a lot because I'm a diabetic and that's just how it is, okay? And when I can't get to a bathroom because there, are, there is 100 yards of people, that gives me anxiety, <laughs> I mean, does that, I mean, when you can't get anywhere, you are just like this, there's no room, you start to panic. Has anyone been in that panic mode? How many of you are claustrophobic? Oh, yeah, that, it begins, you feel that. And it's like, and by the time you get out of there, you're like, I never want to see another person again. <laughs> you kind of get that feeling. But what I want you to think about when you hear the, the phrase sold out, and then you hear that now, it's not without the second part, for Christ, sold out for Christ, think about it as space. So if that stadium is your heart, all those people is God's presence. There's no more room for anything else because you are sold out. Everything, everything in your heart is occupied by Jesus. 
So when we hear the phrase sold out, this is the imagery I want us to have. There's no more room for anything else. There's no more room for my selfish desires. There's no more room for my entitlement and the things that I want, blah, 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 blah. Because Jesus has occupied the space because I had said to him, Lord, in this moment, I give you my life. And if I say that, there's no give backs. (laughs) Right? If you give a gift to someone, do you have rights to that or claims to that anymore? No, you don't. Um, But it's really interesting because when we look in our relationship with Jesus, we kind of think there's a clause in there where we can take that back. All right. But when we talk about being sold out, it's it's like that. Anything that tries to make its way in there is like, nope, I'm not going in there. (laughs) That's that's insanity. And guess what? When your heart and your spirit is full. Is sold out for Christ, man, the enemy. I'm not going in there because I'm going to get beat up. I remember my first concert back in, it was 1995. It was like DC Talk concert. And I was pumped, you know. It was DC Talk. I was like, yeah. And then that next day, I was going to go to my first secular concert. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be a concert weekend. And DC Talk was great. And then I go to this other one thinking it's going to be in this nice, huge stadium. And it was in this creepy warehouse in, the, in, in probably parts of San Diego I didn't want to go to because I have a pick on me face. It just People just go, yeah, let's pick on that guy. And when you're in that kind of neighborhood and all that, and I remember it was sold out. It was getting in there, I just immediately, and I'm, I'm pretty extroverted, but I'm going, woof, my insecurities were like, nope, not going in there. And I got beat up. There was no room. And they have these things called mosh pits. Because, of course, you know, you're with your buddies, so you're like, ah, I got this. But I was four foot nothing in like eighth or ninth grade. And I'm just getting trashed to the point I climbed up on the top of this wall and sat there the entire time <laughs> just to get away. Because there was just no room and there's no space. How beautiful would that be if we abided in Christ in such a way that he had all that space And the enemy just had to flee. He just didn't want to be in there because it's a lost cause. Jesus occupies all that space. Well, that's what Paul's posture is like in this letter. You see a guy who is completely sold out for Christ. And we're going to see in this passage just how sold out he is where death has no hold on him. He sees it as, yeah, bring it on because I am so sold out for Jesus that I want to be with him forever. We're going to talk about that in a minute. (laughs) But is this a big enough picture for you to see what we want to talk about today? Okay. Because when people encounter Christians, this is what we hope they experience. Someone whose heart is just, it's completely occupied by the presence of God. And, and no matter if you say something, or you move, or you do something, Jesus is there with you, and it changes everything. Okay? It changes everything. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to turn to Philippians. Uh, we're still in chapter 1, and we're going to go uh, pretty much 19 through 26 today. And Paul had just ended last week, just ended how he's saying he rejoices, as I said earlier, when those, whether good or bad intentions, preach the name of Jesus because the message, God's message is getting out. 
And so he continues that, if you'd follow along with me. He continues that and he says this. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice because the last, the last verse in our passage last week was ended with rejoice. So he wants to, I don't know what I just did. See, I touch, I, I, I touch technology and it breaks. Here we go. There we go. Whoa. Is it fixed? There we go. All right. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. I'm learning. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, says Paul, for I know that through your prayers, speaking to the Philippians, and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always, listen to that. I mean, that, that's confident right there. So that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death, for to me to live is and to die is gain. Okay, we're going to go back here for a second. But can you see a guy who knows who he is and whose he is in Jesus? Okay, now I look at that and I go, that guy's a little arrogant. So that now, as always... Christ has got all of me. But he knows the power of Christ, and this is a guy, remember, who's sold out, so he knows that when he moves, Jesus is moving with him and is leading him, and he knows that, so he just states it. (laughs) This is what I've been doing. It's not arrogance, it's knowing who he is. Isn't it funny how Christians, we diminish ourselves and we call it humility? Isn't that interesting? We diminish ourselves and we call it humility. But we are the children of the most high God. And we should be okay with saying, this is who I am in Christ Jesus. I live this way. Paul's not claiming perfection. He's claiming proximity. I'm with Jesus. This is how I live. I always live this way. This is how I, tr- I try to live. That's a, he's modeling something here. And he can only do this, as we see in verse 19, God's provision of the spirit of Jesus Christ within him. So we see a partnership happening. And we see that in life or death, God will be honored through him. So he's not swayed by death. He is his biggest goal, his hope, as we saw in last week, is that people would know the message of Jesus Christ. That people would know how much they are loved. So he, is, he cares more about being faithful to the heart of God than life or death. Because we're going to see a lot of this language, life or death. The comparison of the two. When he says um, that he will be uh, relieved or delivered. Taken out from my deliverance. This isn't just physical, it's also spiritual. It's both. Maybe he'll be delivered from prison but maybe death will deliver him and take him to Jesus for eternity. Either one. He's good. Can we say that? That's a tough one. I care if I die. I think if we're honest with ourselves, most of us are right. Man, I don't want to. But we see a posture here where human terms and understandings 
don't have sway because, remember, he's sold out. So Jesus is ministering to him through his Holy Spirit and showing him that there's something beyond our timeline. Way before it and way after it. And so life has a bit, it's a bigger picture for Paul because of his encounters with Jesus. Our picture of life should be different than the world's. We have a start date and an end date when it comes to the world around us. With Jesus, nope, nope, nope. And Paul expresses that. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. There's no change there. He just wants to be with Jesus. <laughs> if it's here, he wants to be with Jesus. If it's in death, he wants to be with Jesus. He wants to be with Jesus. Paul is brilliant. Paul has influenced the church today. We, think, we look at all his letters and all these things, and we put Paul on this pedestal, rightfully so, in a good way, and we go, man, he's amazing, all of these things. And he says these fancy things. He says these things, I do what I shouldn't do, and I don't want to do it. And you go, Pah. this is quite a guy. But when you boil it down, what is he all about? I want to be with Jesus. That's all I want. And we're just three verses in. And that's all he wants, is to be right where he is. Right where he is at all times. And he's pouring this out to the, the Philippian church. He's pouring this out. They're seeing this. They're seeing him model something. Because he never stops discipling the people that he's in relationship with. And we'll see in just a minute. He wants to see that fulfilled as far as he can go. Because for him, it's all about being with Jesus. He says here, if I am to go on living in the body, this will mean more fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I don't, I don't know. I'm torn between the two and I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by what? Far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain, and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound, will abound on account of me. Now, that's another phrase that sounds a little arrogant, but it's not. Because if Jesus is moving within him, and he's sold out, people that encounter him are going to encounter who? Jesus. And so if he's working with Jesus in concert with Jesus, the people around him are going to experience Jesus. So he's just stating that. Because of my posture with Jesus, it's going to benefit you. That is absolutely true. That is not an arrogant thing. He doesn't do self-diminishment here. Well, you know, I think... You know, if I stick around, it might be good for you. I, I, you know, it might be, because well, God's pretty good, but you know. <laughs> it's like when someone gives you a dead fish handshake. You know what I'm saying? The handshake's happening, but you're, con come on. Have some confidence in what God is doing within you. And be okay to say, you know what? I'm having a good day with the Lord. And I think he's using me. 
I know he's using me to minister to others. That's okay. Because you're boasting in him. You're not boasting in you. Because he, he sets this up at the beginning through the provision of the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ that can do these things. So he's already given the credit. Okay? Do we see that? Now, in verse 22, he says, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Now, let's look at that for a second because the word fruit is used often in describing the spiritual walk and the result of the Holy Spirit's movement. Right? The fruit of the Spirit is. And so, in John 15, apart from me, you can do nothing. So, this This phrase right here is not about what Paul can do, but what Jesus will do with and through Paul. Let's make that clear. This is not based off his own merit, his own energies, what he can do. It's what Jesus has and will and continue to do through him and with him. And we see that his greatest desire is to depart and be with Jesus. So my question is why? Is Jesus here with us now? Yes. Can you have relationship with Jesus now? Yes. So why? Why is death better for him? Well, let's think about that for a second. How many of you can think, think back, and picture a place where you felt completely safe? And some of us, some of us can't until Jesus came into our lives, but if you can... Raise your hand. If you can think back, find a place where you felt almost completely safe. Okay. All right. Well, when I think back, I remember when I was probably four or five, before I had any real understanding of the outside world beyond my family unit, my dad used to come in and lay down with my brother and I and read to us until we fell asleep. And I remember... I felt completely safe. There was nothing that could get me. There was nothing too big for that moment. Now, the only other time that I've ever felt that was at 2.30 in the morning when I was on death's door with diabetes and I felt God's presence more than I ever had before. And I, I remember saying, Lord, I'm ready to depart with you because I felt completely safe. There was nothing the world could do to me that could take me from that place. Would you not want to be in that place forever? See, we think safety just removes us from harm, but it's, it's more than that. Safety is an atmosphere where you can be completely you. And I don't mean a condoning space to do bad things. Well, that's just me. That's not what I'm talking about. But right, there are certain things that we will do in our safe places at home or say or reveal about ourselves that we probably won't hear, right? Like, I am a superhero geek, and my geekdom gets really bad when I am not here. And when I'm at home, I'm in the dork forest, and there's no light to be seen. I feel safe to do that. There's no judgment. There's no fear of anything. There's just... Being, and I can do that. When we come into relationship with Christ, there's the safety that happens. It doesn't always feel safe at the time, but we begin to know that it is safe. I can say 
Whatever I need to say with him, he's not going to be threatened. I can reveal to him what he already knows, but, but volunteer up information to him and not be afraid of the backhand. I can be who I am with Jesus and not have to worry about anything. There's this complete being. When we talk about abiding in Jesus, it's about staying in that safe place. That doesn't mean chaos and crazy, fearful, threatening things won't happen around you, but it means your approach to those things, like Paul's, is that I'm safe because I'm with Jesus. If he's for me, who can be against me? Death is not the last word. Pain is not the last word. Jesus is the word. And so it changes our posture. Paul recognizes this. He's felt dangers. His travels were, they were crazy. All his travels on foot and boat and storms and robbers and people stoning him and flogging him, all these different things. It doesn't seem safe, but when we look at the posture of Paul, he still praises and worships Jesus in the midst of all of that because with Jesus, he is safe. Why wouldn't you want to depart and be in that forever? Gosh, I would love that. Not to have to worry about anything. Just to be with Jesus and experience and learn. We have eternity because I believe because we get to learn more about him. I don't believe our learning stops. I mean, he's that, he's that great. He's that vast that we get to experience that, that beauty, that sweetness. And what's so brilliant about all of this is Paul is modeling it. And he says, I'm convinced that I'm going to remain. That God still has me here. He's not griping about it, is he? I mean, he just said what he'd rather do. But he's also said it's a hard choice because the Jesus in heaven is the Jesus here and he wants to do things in and through Paul and others to change this world so people would crave that safe place with Jesus and want to be where he is. And that's great work. That's fruitful labor. That's what he cares about. Not life or death, but he cares that people would know the living God in that way. As Christians, we should be always taking what we experience here outside these doors, whatever coffee shop, whatever work environment you're in, family areas, I don't care, and, and explain with your countenance and your words and your heart how much and how important being with Jesus is. Not just what it gets you, but just being with him because you'll experience what it gives you. That is, whew. And when Paul says, I'm convinced I'm going to remain, he's prepared to, to see the discipleship relationship that he started with this people to the end. It's all about Jesus for him. Beginning, middle, and end. How many of us gripe? Oh, I'm great at it. I'm probably, I, you know, I'll never get a PhD in anything probably than that. Anyone good at griping? <laughs> okay. Oh, man, and I was griping when I was called to Minnesota. It's cold. It's this. It's that. I don't, I know the principles of hunting, but I didn't know there was passion behind it. You know, just a lot of different things. And you gripe, but then you realize 
Jesus, if you say yes to him, is going to take you places you never thought. You're not done. There's more. He has more for us, and it's not just more to do. See, we think of that as Christians as there's more for me to do. Well, yeah, there's going to be some things you do, but it comes out of place. There's more to experience being with Christ. St. Francis was asked, um, you know, if, if the world ended today, what would you do differently? And he said, nothing. I'd tend to my garden because it was about being with Jesus for him. And people, we're talking about him today, aren't we? About a, a godly posture of being with Jesus. So he was faithful to his call. And we just see a guy tending his garden. Sometimes we think we've got to conquer the world. Jesus has already done that. Your call and my call is to model what we see that Paul models and being sold out for Jesus and understand that there's always more of him to experience. Why wouldn't we be excited to depart this world and experience that forever? But there's more, and when I say work, let's not get hung up on that. There's more good relational work for us to do. Every one of you has a call. Every one of you has a burden on your heart. You may not have found it yet or heard it yet, but it's there. And God wants you to step into that with him. And he's going to open that up. And as you continue to let him fill that space, where there's no more space taken by anything else, wah. Sound like Al Pacino there. Wah. You're going to see something amazing happen within you and within our community and within our world. It's easy to get frightened about what we see around us. No. The world should be frightened because when the chip seems against the people of God, God does something crazy. And this is a fresh call to step in with him. To struggle with how to do that. To allow him to mess with you. And the beauty is, yeah, we probably shouldn't gripe, but he gives us space to. Because he knows where he wants us to be, and it's right with him. And I'll tell you what, I, I'm going to kind of end with this. And this might seem really elementary, but I think some of the best things about who God is are simple. And we forget that. We forget the value of it. But about uh, almost a year ago, and I've shared this before, but I was in a place where I was just feeling, my heart was just feeling torched. Just felt zapped. Has anyone been there? And it's not that you, you don't love people. It's not. But you're like, I could probably be doing something else. And that's not a reflection on anyone here. It was just where I was over the last decade of just what it takes out of you, especially when you try to do it on your own strength. And I was laying in bed, and I, I don't, I can usually fall asleep pretty easily. I can't stay asleep very well, but um, I, my mind isn't usually flooded with thoughts. And I'm just too tired to think. <laughs> but I remember I couldn't sleep, and I, I, was, I was desiring something. And I, I didn't know, I needed something, and I didn't know what it was, and... I said, I said, Lord, I just, there's something here and I can't identify it. 
And then immediately when you kind of start talking with the Lord, he gives you, for me, he does. Maybe, maybe some of you he does too. He gives you pictures of things. And for me, it was, it was that picture of when I was a little kid and my dad reading to me and how safe that felt. Because his arms around me and he's reading. I just, I wanted to feel like that. Because sometimes the burdens of this world, even when they're in the name of Jesus, can choke us and we forget about the safety of God's presence. And I remember saying this, just simply this, and it's been probably one of the most powerful prayers I've ever prayed because it gave me fresh, fresh wind in my spirit. I said, God, would you just hug me? Uh, it sounds elementary, but are, we are as children, are we not? And we hear in scripture, he wants to embrace us, do we not? And so I remember, it, nothing happened. I said, God, would you hug me? And I'm not feeling anything. I'm like, uh, today? Like, I don't want one just tomorrow. I want one now. And now I, I've got some insomnia, so I don't, I don't sleep well. And I, I remember having this argument, Lord, hug me. Embrace me. Hug me. Next thing I know. It's eight in the morning, and I slept seven hours for the first time in years. I went, all right, Lord, that was a pretty good hug. <laughs> <laughs> but think about Paul, where Paul had been in prison, all the things. And I believe that when he uses this kind of language, he's giving us a picture of that safety with Jesus that cannot be overrun by the fears and the pain and the anxieties and the wounds of this world because God is greater than that. And it's really about staying in our first love with him and remembering those places because that's what we get for eternity. I I don't know about you. Sign me up. Because it doesn't matter what happens in this world, there's something greater. I mean, as far as what the world can throw at me, but if we got Jesus and we're with Jesus, We're safe. Again, it may not always feel safe, but we know we're safe. Look at this stuff God got Paul out of. Look at the lives, including yours, that God affected through the posture and life of Paul because he simply just wanted to be with Jesus. How much more do you think God will use you relationally in that way where maybe your greatest call is to tend to your garden? And that one action with Jesus will transform generations. There's more. When we give these reports, it's about getting to that. That's what it's, that's what it's about. We got three more chapters of this. <laughs> so prepare yourself. I love God, and I love what he's doing. And I want everyone to love God the way I love God. And I'm taking a page out of Paul's book here. Do I love God perfectly? Nope. But when I say yes to him, man, I love God. And I know you love God. Don't you want people to love God the way you love God? That's what Paul's saying. That's his hope. 
And that's why he's encouraged by staying in this context. That's why he's encouraged because now people will get an opportunity to love him the way Paul loves him and know that safety and that power and that hope for eternity with God in that safe place of joy, love, and grace. Let's pray. Lord, we're humbled, not diminished, but humbled by how much you love us. And I, I really do truly thank you that you keep it simple. So protect us from making it complicated. You love us. You want us to love you back and be with you. Done. <laughs> I, I, I can do that. So I just pray a blessing over this church family. That when people experience each person here, they experience you. And not just within these walls, but outside these walls, they experience you. They begin to know you. Lord, I pray that you continue to bless the vision that you have put on our hearts. And we're going to go where you go. So if it looks differently in the future, okay. We want to be where you are. So we ask that you would bless everything that we bring to the table. We ask that you would bless this offering. That we would continue to give out of faithfulness. Not obligation, but faithfulness to you because of who you are. And we're saying yes to what you're doing here. When we give our money, when we give our time. When we put, we give relational energy, it is for you. It is for you. So we ask that you would use our tithes and our offerings for your glory and for your kingdom expansion, not just so that people will do things in the name of Jesus, but they will be living with Jesus. So as we enter this time, the remainder of our time in worship, we ask in Jesus' name, that we would connect with you in spirit and in truth and really our posture would say, do whatever you want. Do whatever you want. We're yours. We want to be sold out for you. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Your name is a strong and mighty tower. Your name a shelter like no other. Your name, let the nation sing louder, cause nothing has the power to save. Say